the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WHK Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The fall is here and the days are getting cooler. And the week ahead looks good with highs in the mid-60s and cool nights. Well, maybe a little too cool. I see some overnight lows are going to be in the mid-30s. And when it gets down to the mid-30s, then 32 degrees is just a step away. So sometimes, soon there'll be some frost and some ice on the windshield. But, uh, hey, this is fall. And uh, have you noticed that the days are getting shorter and chillier? The sun doesn't come up until almost 7.30 in the morning and sets a little bit after 7.15 at night. I remember a month ago when the alarm would go off at 7 a.m. and the sun would be pouring into the bedroom and everything would be bright. Now <laughs> now it's a little darker. And, uh, we, we, you know, 
We know that it's going to get worse as we move into the October and November. And a couple of months from now, like January, we'll be going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark. So let's take the time now to get outside and enjoy the fall weather and the fall colors. Some of the trees have started their autumn foliage already, but we'll have to wait maybe another two or three weeks for the real fall show. Maybe by mid-October, after some frost, but uh, soon we'll be able to enjoy the fall colors, the reds and the yellows and the oranges. And uh, that'll be before we have to start our leaf raking project, raking up the leaves at the price we have to pay for this uh, fall extravaganza. So let's get outside and enjoy the walks, enjoy the exercise, and see Mother Nature. Mother Nature is beautiful this time of year. You might even come across a deer or an animal out there. You'll be as shocked as you are when you meet. And besides, the more time we spend outside enjoying life, the less time we have to worry about the annex of the economy and the stock market. Again, global equities were down this week. This is a sad story. Interest rates uh, around the globe continue to increase as as directed by the central banks, and the economies around the world continue to slow. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were down approximately 3% this week. In the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down. While in the European Union, the German DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the week. In addition, the UK's uh, currency, the pound, and the European Union's currency, the euro, have both fallen hard relative to the dollar. The dollar is uh, the dollar index is up about 17% since the start of the year. So all these other ones, for instance, the euro. Uh, the euro is less than uh, uh, $1 per euro. I forget the exact number, but somewhere around 98, 99 cents per euro. I remember when it was a dollar forty uh, per euro. So it's come down quite a bit. That was dollar forty was years ago. I mean, three or four, maybe four years ago. And the uh, uh, Asia too is mostly down. Japan's Nikkei 225 is down, as well as the China-Shanghai composite and the uh, uh, Hong kong Shenzhen were both down. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed at, the Dow closed at uh, 28,725.51, and it was down 2.92% for the week. The standard in poor 500 was down 3 was. Standard Poor 500 was uh, close at 3,585.62, and it was down 2.91% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 10,575.62, and it was down 5.07 for the week. So all the stock indices are basically in the bear market now, with losses greater than 20% since the start of the year. And the greatest challenge uh, for investors this year has been from the extreme uh, hawkishness, uh, the hawkish stance of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve saw inflation move above 
uh, 3% in the spring of last year. And at that time, <clears throat> that was dismissed as uh, transitory. And uh, the Federal Reserve continued their their easing policy where by keeping the interest rates uh, super low. Uh, for instance, the overnight rates uh, in the spring of last year were basically uh, zero to one quarter of a percent. Uh, the 10-year Treasury was at one and a half percent, and the Federal Reserve was buying $200 billion a month in Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Well, <clears throat> they saw the inflation start to rise up in uh, the spring of last year, and by uh, the fall, by September of last year, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, uh, rose to approximately 5% and then continued rising. And by Christmas of last year, the CPI stood at uh, somewhere around 7%. Well, during the fall, the, the fall of last year, the Federal Reserve gradually solidified their plans. They realized that uh, this transitory description of the inflation wasn't cutting it. Uh, so now they came up with a plan. And their plan was to basically raise the federal funds rate to slow the economy down and reduce the demand and uh, for goods and services and make it more in equilibrium with the supply. Uh, that would supposedly conquer inflation. And they would also slow down and stop their bond buying operation of $200 billion per month. That ended in uh, March of this year. And then they would start to roll over the uh, part of their $9 trillion uh, portfolio of treasury and mortgage-backed bonds that they've accumulated since the Great Recession in 2008. Well, they started to implement that plan at the start of this year, and that's led to a sharp sell-off in both fixed income as well as uh, equity markets. So... Basically, when you take a look around, the Federal Reserve, it was criticized for being for not being aggressive enough. But now the Federal Reserve uh, poses the greatest challenge to investments with their uh, rate increases. And last week's uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting of the Federal Reserve, that continued this trend of higher rates. They uh, stepped the overnight uh, or Fed's funds rate up by three quarters of a percent, and uh, a higher projected path of interest rates was also included in the summary of economic projections. And basically, uh, the projections indicated that uh, if the Federal Reserve continues, it'll continues to raise the rates. The overnight rates would be somewhere between four and a half and four and three quarters by the end of the year. Uh, also, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, in his press conference, uh, he indicated, he made it perfectly clear, that the Fed would be willing to tip the economy into a recession if that was what was required to get the inflation to its 2% uh, objective. So, uh, basically, the uh, the, the Inflation information is not uh, 
going the way the, the Federal Reserve wants it to go, and not going fast either. Uh, basically, the last CPI uh, information, the consumer price information, about two weeks ago, indicated that even though the the uh, year ago inflation, the inflation numbers went down from 8.5 to 8.3 percent, the uh, core numbers. Uh, for the it represent the other seventy, basically to represent eighty percent of the market basket of the uh, consumer, and uh, they had gone up. The core core inflation had gone up, and uh, that's one of the things that led the uh, Federal Reserve to increase the interest rates by three quarters of a percent last week. Now uh, they expect. Uh, Three quarters of a percent increase in in uh, November when they meet in November, and possibly a three quarters of a percent or a one half a percent in December. Now the Federal Reserve alluded to that uh, with their uh, economic projections or summary of economic projections, but uh, they indicated that uh, they would not make those decisions until the actual. Uh, meetings in November and December. So, but uh, this week they got <clears throat> more indication that inflation still has uh, has some has to be controlled. Uh, what we're saying is regarding inflation, the U.S. Uh, Commerce Department reported this week the personal income and the outlays for August. And that had some more bad news regarding inflation. And uh, they indicated that the U.S. households boosted spending in August as high inflation spread across the economy. The Commerce Department said Friday that personal consumption expenditures, which is a broad measure of consumer spending on goods and services, increased a seasonably adjusted four-tenths of a percent in uh, August and uh, uh, from the prior year and picking up a re- from a retire- revised uh, two-tenths of a percent in uh, July. So basically what you're seeing is that the, uh, the, the report indicates that the high inflation is becoming more embedded in the overall economy. Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of inflation. Uh, they, they use the Federal Reserve uses two gauges for inflation. One's the CPI, the Consumer Price Index numbers, and the other one is the, is the uh, um, Personal Consumption Expenditures. And what the Personal Consumption Expenditures showed for August is that the year and year ago inflation number uh, for the personal consumption expenditure went down from 6.4% to 6.2% in August, but the core inflation rate went up from 4.7% in July to 4.9% in uh, um, August. So, Basically, what you're seeing is that the what you're seeing is that the uh, the core does not include the 
the effects of food and fuel. So basically what we're seeing over the last month is that uh, gasoline has been coming down, which brings down the uh, the, con- the consumer price index, the, the uh, full one, the headline one, but the core CPI, which neglects the uh, food and fuel, uh, that's still rising. So that tells me, that tells all of us, that uh, uh, things are... The Federal Reserve will continue on its path of raising the rates. And like I said before, uh, the best guess is that the overnight rate or the federal funds rate will probably end at about uh, uh, four and a half to four and three quarters at the end of this year. Then they may increase it again next year, or they may pause at that time uh, to see how bad. Uh, or how good things are getting. Uh, and uh, what we saw in this report from the Commerce Department, spending on services like rents, utilities, transportation, health care, they all picked up strongly in August and they rising uh, eight-tenths of a percent from July, while good spending declined for the second month in a row as gasoline prices fell. So... What you're seeing here is that uh, consumer spending, which is basically two-thirds of the total U.S. economic output, has remained solid in the recent months despite the high inflation. And we'll get into that later in terms of the details of that, uh, what the consumer is spending and where. And uh, the higher prices are chewing up uh, the the uh, amount that they're paying. So they're basically keeping up with inflation, and uh, uh, but they're, uh, it's costing them more uh, to do that. Uh, they're buying the same amount of goods or perhaps even less uh, with their money. Uh, consumers are under pressure from uh, rapidly increasing prices and lingering supply chain disruptions, and basically their mortgage rates as well as their uh, loans for cars and things of this nature are going up. But if you take a look at the economy in general, what you see is you still see still see a, a strong economy, an economy where the <clears throat> where the unemployment rate, uh, the claims for unemployment uh, benefits have gone down this past uh, week. Uh, what you're seeing is that. Uh, what we'll see next week is the, uh, the JOLTS report, which is job out openings, and we'll also see the uh, payroll reports. Uh, that'll come out on Friday of next week. But basically what you're seeing is an extremely strong labor market and uh, consumer spending, and the holidays are coming up, so uh, the consumers are going to continue to spend. Uh, the Two places, three places that have been impacted by the uh, increase in the interest rate. One is the uh, home, new home construction. New home construction uh, was was has been slowed down by the thirty-year mortgage rate going from basically three percent to somewhere close to six percent now, uh, and then the uh, uh, 
the, the other part is that's impacted new home construction. It's also impacted home sales. And uh, we'll get into both of those later in the show today. And uh, the uh, <clears throat> so uh, the other part that's been impacted is uh, your company's plans for capital improvements. Uh, a lot of companies are shelving the plans for capital improvements because of the concerns about uh, recession. So uh, this is causing a lot of um, uh, not uh, causing a lot of uh, concerns about uh, employment and so also you know in terms of uh, uh, hiring and firing as well as uh, uh, the concerns about uh, spending money on on new projects. So a lot of your projects are being postponed and shelled until uh, they figure out what's going on here. So what we're seeing in, in the, uh, in the uh, housing market, uh, the housing market is in good good shape. It's still there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, work that's still in the pipeline. So even when I say that the housing market is uh, the home construction market is slowing down. It's hardly perceptible in the sense that uh, the builders are cutting prices and and make, and uh, trying to keep the business going as well as possible. So uh, also seeing pending home sales, uh, and you also see the uh, pending home sales are dropping off, but. Uh, uh, you're also seeing, for instance, like uh, residential constri- residential home sales, brand new homes. Uh, in uh, August, we're way up there. In fact, they were 28% above the July numbers. And uh, basically, the thing that was driving them was uh, people wanted to get into the houses before the interest rates, the mortgage rates, increase even farther. And the builders are uh, cutting prices. So all in all, what you're looking at is is an economy that's strong. Uh, the uh, Federal Reserve is trying to increase the interest rates to slow them down. But uh, I think it's going to take a, a higher interest rate than we're even talking about right now. If, uh, if we're talking 4.5% at the end of this year. It might be higher than maybe five percent, or even higher than five percent is necessary to get inflation under control. So uh, it's it's one of those things that uh, it's impacting both the bond market as well as the stock market <clears throat> as as the interest rates go up, the value of the bonds, the older bonds that uh, had uh, lower yields are. Uh, Reducing in value, so that's causing an impact to the bond market, and the fear of an inflation, fear of a recession, is causing the uh, stock market to be down. So, in any event, we still have to basically carry on in our world in terms of uh, our goals, our plans. We have a family, families to raise, uh, children to get through school and get the established uh, retirements to plan for, and we have to do this all in terms of this uh, uh, 
you know, this equity markets and uh, the ups and downs of the equity markets. But uh, you know that uh, one of the things we see is at the start of this year, uh, the assets were priced for perfection. But right now what we're seeing is the assets, be it uh, uh, bonds as well as stocks, are being uh, priced for disaster. So now is a good time to basically start uh, preparing for when the market comes, starts to come up again. And keep in mind that uh, uh, the long-term trend of the market is up. And uh, even though we go through these bear markets, when you take a look at the standard poor over a period of time or the Dow Jones, uh, and basically these, these uh, downward trends show up as blips after a while. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Show. You can give us a call over our toll-free toll number. It's one 888 that's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 You know, when we were talking about uh, the personal finances and uh, there are goals and what we have to do to define our goals, we know we're going to, depending upon your age, when you're young, it's a matter of a car and an apartment. When you're uh, starting a family and starting out uh, in life. It's a matter of, uh, of uh, getting married and, uh, st- and buying a house and having a certain standard of living as youngsters and making all those decisions about, you know, who's going to stay at home for the while and, and help get the kids started, all those things. And, and then uh, after a while, it falls down to, okay, uh, you got this uh, education of the kid, 
and keeping up the standard of living, and you have to basically keep your um, uh, keep your savings filling up those um, investments so that you can use the compound interest to get those um, monies that you need for education, standard of living, um, retirement, all of those things uh, take years and years of uh, savings to get them to the point where they're useful. Uh, and uh, it takes discipline, and it takes a plan, and it takes a roadmap. And the roadmap gives you um, the roadmap gives you a lot of confidence in terms of what you're doing and where you're going. And it adds as a good standard in making your decisions. Once if you lay out your goals and and uh, you're tracking how you're uh, accumulating your assets in order to meet those goals in the future, uh, decisions come along. You know, like, uh, uh, do we want to step up to a bigger house or do we want to buy a boat or do we want to buy a vacation home? And uh, if you have a plan, and uh, you could take a look at the plan and say, uh, what would I give up in this plan in order to accommodate this new want? Or it's generally not a need, it's a want. And uh, what am I going to give up in order to get that? So but a lot of times it, it boils down to is you get an idea, you say, that'd be nice to have, but when you take a look at the plan, uh, it would be, you'd have to give up something that's more important than that in order to get that uh, new boat or uh, vacation house or something like that. So uh, it helps you in your your allocation of resources and keeps you on a, on a good path to be able to get to the goals that you set for yourself. You know, one of the things that I've seen this week a couple of, a couple of times, where, and it, it struck me because it's kind of funny, let's, let me... Let's talk about uh, let me talk about what happens if you're the beneficiary of an IRA. You know, and uh, uh, this happened a couple of times this week. In most, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the most familiar type of beneficiary is for the uh, let's say a spouse, let's say a couple. The primary beneficiary is generally the spouse. And uh, then the secondary beneficiaries or the contingent beneficiaries are the children. So if one spouse passes on, then the assets, uh, the assets including the joint tenant accounts and the IRAs generally go to the spouse. And uh, uh, it's rather straightforward. But when the spouse, uh, surviving spouse passes on, then it goes to the children. And uh, then the IRA uh, situation comes up, and it's called the beneficiary IRA. And the rules have changed on that uh, since January 1st, 2020. So they had that SECURE Act, uh, and uh, the SECURE Act uh, requires that the IRAs inherited after January 1st, 2020 they be distributed or withdrawn within 10 years of the death of the original owner. So this is for, um, this is in case, uh, you know, in the old days, if you were were, uh, 
you got a inherited IRA before January 1st, 2020, uh, you, you were able to stretch that IRA out from the time that you received it to your life expectancy. So let's say if you received it when you were uh, 50 years old, uh, your life expectancy would be 85, so you were able to stretch this uh, IRA out for the next 35 years. And by by stretching it out, I mean uh, you did have to take required minimum distributions out of it each year, but the uh, the distributions were rather small. And what would happen is that the the beneficiary or inherited IRA would continue to grow even though you were taking uh, required minimum distributions out of it. But now they changed that stretch. That stretch is no longer available. The stretch IRA is no longer available. If you uh, received your your inherited IRA after the January 1st of 2020, in the new case, you have to get rid of that uh, <clears throat> that beneficiary IRA within 10 years after the date of the, uh, the original owner's death. So uh, also, uh, in some cases, uh, with, with, uh, uh, in some cases, you do also have to make withdrawals from that. Originally, they just say, hey, get it out of the 10, get it out of that uh, beneficiary IRA within the 10 years, and we won't worry about uh, required minimum distributions. Uh, but now uh, the proposals are that the uh, that the original owner, the original cattle owner, was uh, taking the required minimum distributions. Uh, then you have to continue required minimum distributions. Only this time uh, they depend upon the age of the beneficiary. So uh, if you're uh, uh, the way that you have, you have to be very careful if you get a beneficiary IRA. Uh, let's say you're one of the kids, one of the children, uh, the IRA from your parents comes down, and uh, let's say there's three kids, it'll, the IRA will be broken into three parts, and then you set up a new account, which is called a beneficiary or an inherited IRA, and the rules for that account are different than the rules for your for your own personal IRA accounts. So the new beneficiary IRA has to conform to certain tax laws, and uh, the account title has to be the account title might go like this: the account owner's name that might be your parent deceased of a certain date. IRA for the benefit of unless for the benefit of, and then it's your name. And uh, uh, whatever you do, don't take that IRA, put it into your own name. If you do, then the entire balance of the IRA is treated as a distribution. And you're going to owe taxes on that uh, lump sum, which if it's a small IRA, might be an inconvenience. But if it's a big IRA, then you might be uh, you know, facing a fairly large tax bill when all that money appears on your tax form as a uh, uh, earned income. 
And those are not easy to undo and everything like that. So <clears throat> really what you're doing right now is that uh, uh, in, uh, in addition to the uh, getting the money out of the uh, beneficiary IRA within the 10-year period, if the original owner is taking required minimum distributions, then you have to continue uh, taking required minimum distributions. The only change is that your age will be used rather than the original owner is used. And uh, uh, so you have this uh, account, this uh, beneficiary IRA that you have to get cleared in 10 years. Uh, the, there's no requirement. You don't have to take requirement distributions uh, depending upon the size of the account. If it's a large account, then people typically chop it up into uh, and take one-tenth of it out each year so they don't get uh, hit with a large uh, tax bill. And if it's a small IRA, then it's really, you could leave it in there for the whole 10-year period and then take it out at the end. But if indeed the owner had started taking required minimum distributions before they died, then you have to continue with required minimum distributions. And you could take more out of the beneficiary uh, uh, IRA uh, than is required. But uh, you might say, okay, I got to take this much out as a required minimum distribution. But then uh, I want to take really one tenth of the value out each year because of tax consideration. So uh, you got a requirement, and let's say you take more out, there's no penalty for that. You just have to pay uh, taxes on whatever you take out of that uh, uh, IRA. So that's that's just a thing that uh, I thought would be noteworthy because I we ran into a couple cases this week. Okay, so. This is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get It Slow. This is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Well, the, the Federal Reserve got a, a little surprise with regard to their um, uh, inflation numbers this week. You know, two weeks ago, they got a, a surprise when the CPI numbers, the core CPI numbers, came out. This time they got a surprise when the personal consumption expenditure uh, index came out and it showed that the core of the personal consumption expenditure uh, showed that the uh, things other than food and fuel were increasing faster than uh, in July, in August, than they were in July. <clears throat> so in August, uh, Spending by uh, uh, by uh, consumers increased four tenths of one percent, or sixty seven point five billion dollars, and that increase in uh, uh, 
spending was significantly down from the 1.2% or $206 billion in June, but it was higher than the amount in July. The consumers uh, uh, did continue to increase the uh, spending, and despite inflation, and, and that is, in, is eroding wage gains and driving the cost of living up, the consumer spending increased in August, I could say, four-tenths of one percent, uh, more than in uh, July, and uh, <clears throat> the consumer income increased three-tenths of a percent in uh, August, and that was a um, big step down from the personal income increase of six-tenths of one percent that we saw in June. So, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, uh, durable goods, personal consumption expenditure went up four tenths of one percent. Goods went down five tenths of one percent. Durable goods were of the goods. Durable goods went up one tenth of one percent. Non-durable, which is gasoline and things of this nature, went down eight tenths of a percent. And then the services went up eight tenths of one percent. So all in all, it was <clears throat> it was news that uh, kind of mirrored the CPI number, and it just kind of reinforces that uh, what the Federal Reserve is going to do in terms of their rate increases. They're, they're gung-ho in their rate increases, and it looks as if they're going to continue them until they get up to, you know, close to 5% by the end of the year. So. Uh, the, the uh, durable goods orders in August, uh, durable goods orders were down two-tenths of a percent. Uh, and basically, if you take a look at the uh, orders uh, for durable goods, uh, they're down two-tenths of a percent. But uh, if you take a look at the one, the big impact is the uh, uh, civilian aircraft. That's down uh, close to 20 percent. And also the uh, fabricated metal products is down less than a tenth of a percent. But over the last year, the numbers are uh, significant in terms of uh, what people are spending in terms of, for instance, like uh, from August of this year versus August a year ago, the new orders are up uh, close to 11%. Uh, fabricated metal products up close to 7 Machinery up 11.1%. Uh, motor vehicles up 12.5%. Civilian aircraft up 45%. Defense aircraft up 16%. Uh, capital goods, excluding aircraft, up almost 10%. <clears throat> so the durable goods orders uh, look like they're in good shape in terms of where the housing industry is. Uh, what we're seeing in the uh, home prices is home prices are continuing to increase, but at a slower pace than previously. So the very fact that the interest rates have gone up is uh, slowing the home construction industry down, and uh, the prices are beginning to moderate. Uh, one of the one of the places we get the data from that is from the uh, uh, standard and poor core logic case filler 
National Home Price Index. That's been uh, that gives us a more granular view of increases of existing homes in 20 cities across the U.S. and Cleveland uh, is one of those cities. So the uh, Case-Shiller Index is constructed by how they track the price path of a typical single-family home located in each of the metropolitan areas. And uh, each index combines a matched pair. They'll take a home at a certain point in time and another at the same home at a different point in time and compare what's going on there. And for the Cleveland metropolitan area, which is not just Cleveland, it's a whole metropolitan area, uh, uh, in, existing home prices have gone up uh, 1% from June to July and increased 12.4% uh, from July a year earlier. Now, in some cases, in some areas, uh, it's probably in, in the Cleveland metropolitan area, it's gone up more than that. Uh, but uh, to give you an idea of how Cleveland compares to other cities, uh, in Chicago, uh, Chicago went up 12.7% over the last 12 months. Washington, D.C. went up 9.4%. And Denver went up 15.6%. Uh, so <clears throat> the the, uh, the people that put out the Case-Shiller Home Price Index they took a hard look at what's happening in the ups and downs of the home prices. And uh, the, what they came to the conclusion is that the 20 cities they track in their data for single-family homes, the prices have decreased eight-tenths of 1% from uh, June to July, or uh, uh, basically 16.1% from a year earlier. According to the Craig, uh, Craig Lazara, who's the managing director of the Standard & Poor, Kate Schiller, quote, the deceleration of U.S. home prices that we began to observe several months ago continues. Although U.S. home prices remain substantially above their year-ago levels, the July's report reflected a forceful deceleration. For example, when the National uh, Composite uh, Index rose by 15.8% in the 12 months ending in July, its year-ago price uh, rise in June was 18.1%. So there's a difference of 2.3% in the difference between those two months. And uh, this has been the largest deceleration in the history of the index. And the same pattern appeared in the 10-city composite. Uh, for August, it was up, uh, for July, it was up 14.9. And for June, it was up 17.4. And also on the 20-city uh, composite, uh, it was up 16.1% uh, for July and 18.7% for June. So all in all, the prices of new homes, the prices of existing homes, continues to increase year over year, but the prices are slowing down, and sooner or later they'll reach a plateau. And uh, uh, be, once they reach the plateau, I don't expect any any real 
significant declines. This is not like 2008, where there were some real mortgage problems or people had loans that they really shouldn't have had and things of this nature. But in this case, the home prices had been going up uh, substantially, and, uh, and sooner or later, that that's going to stop, and it shows up as uh, uh, shows up as um, uh, reduced uh, increases year over year. Uh, let's talk about the. Uh, oh, let's let's take a break here for just a second. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. One of the things we look at in terms of uh, gauging the consumers' uh, inclination to buy big items like uh, cars and houses and things of this nature is the uh, uh, Consumer Sentiment Index from the University of Michigan. And that comes out every month. Basically, that took a big hit. Uh, Ever since the stock market began to fall, ever, ever since gasoline prices uh, began to rise, and now it's recovering somewhat. For instance, if you take a look at the consumer sentiment for September, uh, it's 58.6 versus August, it's 58.2. Now, let's say in uh, uh, um, a year ago, that number would have been 75 or something like that. That's now down in the 60s. And according to the director of the uh, uh, study, what you're seeing is consumer sentiment confirmed the preliminary readings earlier this month and was essentially unchanged from the month uh, before at at, uh, less than one index point above August. Buying conditions for durables uh, and one-year economic outlook continued to continued lifting from the extremely low readings earlier in the summer, but these gains are largely offset by modest declines in the long-run outlook for business conditions. So, the sentiment for consumers across the uh, across the income distribution has declined in a remarkably close fashion uh, for the last six months, reflecting shared concerns over the impact of inflation. By that, they mean they they have grouping into different uh, wage earning uh, classifications, and basically everybody is feeling the same about uh, what's happening with regard to inflation, even though uh, higher income consumers who have historically generated the reliance share is spending. So people are concerned about it. And the, uh, what they're saying is that the median expected year end inflation rate declined to 4.7%. That's the lowest reading since last September. 
and at uh, 2.7% median long-run inflation expectations fell below the 29 to 3.1% range for the first time since uh, July of 2021. Now we're seeing inflation expectations are likely to remain relatively unstable in the months ahead as consumers' are uncertainty over these expectations remain high and are unlikely to wane uh, in the face of uh, continued global pressure on inflation. So <clears throat> what you're seeing is that uh, people are, get, quote, not down in the dumps, but uh, inflation is getting on, on people's nerves and uh, it's showing up in their willingness to go out and uh, buy houses and buy cars and buy large, doable uh, goods. So uh, another area is the uh, what we're seeing in in home sales, existing home sales, and uh, existing home sales are, were ten, had been tending downward because of the increased prices and the low number of homes for sale. And now, with the mortgage interest rates going up significantly, uh, the uh, we have the pending home sales. Uh, the National Association of Realtors puts out a uh, index. And the index basically shows that, uh, uh, according to uh, Lawrence Young, who's the National Association of Realtors chief economist, uh, quote, the direction of mortgage rates, upward or downward, is the prime mover for home buying, and decades-high rates have deeply cut into the contract signings. Uh, if mortgage rates moderate and the economy continues adding jobs, then home buying should also stabilize. And then he continued to expect the economy will remain sluggish throughout the remainder of this year, with mortgage rates rising to uh, 7% in the coming months. And Lawrence Young said, uh, continues, only when inflation calms down will we see mortgage rates begin to steady and uh, uh, another indication that home sales are, are facing the headwinds of affordability as a result of the current interest rate environment and a weaker economic activity. The National Association of Realtors expects existing home sales to decline 15.2% in uh, this year, uh, while new home sales are projected to, to fall by uh, 20.9%. The National Association of Realtors Chief Economist notes that uh, limited housing inventory and almost non-existent uh, distressed property sales have supported home prices. Overall, he, he forecasts home prices will rise 9.6% in uh, 2022. So. Uh, and uh, what we're seeing is that uh, uh, the annual home prices are expected to be around 1.2% uh, in 2023. So what we're seeing is the home prices are increases are gradually going down, yeah, but the, the prices are going up, but 
but not as fast as before. And in 2023, they expect the median home price to increase only 1.2%. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get This Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get This Slow. In today's world of the Internet, where everyone has a voice, there's a lot of people making judgments about the efforts of others. I think that fear of criticism is holding people back from embarking on projects and tasks for fear that they'll be criticized. Well, Theodore Roosevelt, who was an American statesman, politician, conservationist, naturalist, writer, who served as the 26th president of the United States from 1901 to 1909, had something to say about this. In a speech he gave at the Sorbonne in Paris in April of 1910, he gave a speech about the man in the arena. And here's a passage from one of the most quoted paragraphs in history. Quote from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. Quote, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errors, and who comes up short again and again because no effort is without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deed? Who knows great enthusiasm, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause? who is best known in the end, the triumph of high achievement, or in the worst if he fails, that he fails by daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither own victory nor defeat. So, just move forward and do your deeds. Don't worry about the criticism. And we'll see you next week, and may God protect you. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. 
Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.